everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast with myself, Tom Collins, and Ross Miller, right in the thick of the jump season as we look ahead to the springtime now that it's officially the 1st of February, the shortest month, which means essentially we can be very excited for the spring festivals. A lot of that is in our, our minds at the moment after the back of a, a exhilarating Cheltenham Trials Day last weekend. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on that first before we head into this weekend because the racing just gets better. The Dublin Racing Festival has long now been the sort of the pinnacle of Irish racing and it really shows off the best that they have from a national hunt sphere. We've also got grade one action at Sandown too. But as as I mentioned last weekend, it was brilliant. I imagine Ross and TC still reveling in uh, their their day out at Cheltenham. But TC, um, another fabulous weekend for you. You're, you landed with your nap and next best for a third weekend in a row. We'll just touch on that. Your your nap Colonel Harry at five to four, and your next best Santos Blue on the thirteenth of January. The twentieth of January, your nap Oso oh Grand, and your nap next best Optician. And then you did it again. Your nap with Gidley Park and your next best Noble Yates, which I think was the one that really, really got you, you got got your gears revved as much as anything because what a fabulous horse race. And I say, I would have loved to have eyes on how you were celebrating that at Cheltenham on Saturday. Yeah, it was fantastic. The whole day was brilliant as well. Uh, you know, there was lots of class early on the card with Sergino, Lossiemouth, etc. And then obviously the Napa next best were in the final two races. So I had to bide my time. I did lose my voice when Noble Yates won. What a thriller. There were six horses It went in with a chance after jumping the last phenomenal race. And then Gidley Park just got over the line. So, yeah, it was a very good day. Enjoyed Saturday. Four winners in total as well across the, the pod. We covered so many races last week and it was good to see all three of us have a, a fair selection of winners. Yeah, and I just would like to have a little celebration moment for the stayers because we pick holes in them. We say that it's boring. We say it's dull, but they produce the best horse races that we have seen so far this season. And if one horse deserves a, a win at some stage, it's, of course, Paisley Park. But fantastic race planning, horse management by Emmett Mullins to get a Grand National winner to win a race of that calibre uh, with Noble Yates. And I, I was listening to his interview afterwards and listening to the reaction action from the pundits to say that there are many Grand National horses that fall in a hole after they've won their races. So I think it's I think it's extra special and it probably wouldn't have got as much attention with all the the conversations surrounding Lossy Mouth, what happened to John Mo John Bon. And you know, I think that there's something that we should we should be celebrating in a, a young man in, in early days of his career doing what he does. And Ross, I'm sure that you would agree with that, but also or happy that you saw your selections, Gibby Park. He had to tough it out, but he's clearly a horse that's still learning how to race. And Ashro Diamond, obviously, over at Doncaster, won the SBK Yorkshire Rosemares hurdle. Uh, a weekend, obviously, for Willie Mullins. But that horse, Gidley Park, is just showing what our novices can do in that division. Yeah, I, I, I think the, uh, the the two and a half mile novice at the Champion Festival is probably the most open novice at the moment, largely because we don't know what Willie Mullins yeah. is going to run. And, Giddy Park, slightly disappointed at the time, watching it back. I think he was unfortunate in that Harry Cobden's horse made a mistake at the first, which meant that Jonathan Burke was left in front and had to cut out his own running. Was obviously mindfully being keen last time and was trying to settle him, and they ended up going a bit of a crawl, and it turned into a sprint. And when you look at him in the paddock, I mean, that was one of the highlights of the day for me, actually, was seeing him in the paddock. He's just an absolute tank of a thing. You know, he's not bred to be a, or built to be a quick sprinting over you know over a short distance horse he's a grinder 
So it wouldn't have gone to his to his uh, benefit. And I thought it was testament actually he was able to grind it out and get it done because at one point I thought it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I thought, oh, what, what, what have we got here? But I think it's the raw ability that got him over the line. So Gidley Park, an exciting horse with a big future, which you can say the same for Sergino. I was quite nervous about putting this up as my nap. I thought it was quite risky with with the way that James Owen was waxing lyrical about Burdett Road, but Sergino made him look. Not ordinary, but clearly in a different league. And Sergino, he just was mightily impressive. He's now favourite for the Triumph Hurdle. He was well backed in the end. He went off at five to four. He was two to one, I think, when I put him up. But a horse that with massive amount of talent. They've clearly worked on his his schooling. He jumped so nicely. I thought James Bowen gave him a, a very confident ride. And he's a horse that I think is going to take all the beating come Triumph Hurdle time. And uh, that and many more are going to go into the, Chel- into the Cheltenham Festival with plenty of confidence off the back of last weekend. But I'm sure we'll be saying the same thing this time next week after the Dublin Racing Festival, which is a meeting that we're going to look at. And TC, myself and Ross, we've all got our best selection from a betting perspective for this weekend because I think the Dublin Racing Festival as much as we're looking forward to it there aren't as many brilliant matchups as we thought there might be um, a few horses have dodged what we we thought were going to make it a really interesting weekend and we know that it has been for a long time the Willie Mullins show and I think after what he's done over the last couple of weeks and essentially all of January, he's going to continue on controlling uh, those big races uh, come Saturday. So we will look at the uh, the Dublin Racing Festival, but we're going to start with the grade one on these shores. That's the Silly Isle Chase at Sandown, a race where we thought we were going to have Irish representation from uh, Emmett Mullins, the man that was responsible for Noble Yates. But Corbett's Cross has not been declared, which is a little bit of a dampener for this race, um, as I was looking forward to seeing what he would do and how he would can compare with essentially the best of our our raiders. Um, Hermes Alain was put firmly in his place by Ile Francais when a beaten favourite at Kempton on Boxing Day. He's likely to head the betting from Colonel Harry, the Gavin Sheehan and Jamie Snowden. We've got J-Lo coming up the back of a fall at Lingfield. And uh, then we've also got a couple of uh, bigger price horses. Le, P- Le Patron is a grade one winner, um, but possibly is still slightly underestimated considering he is a grade one winner uh he does uh come into this around about the five to one mark and then nickelback will make up uh the five of them so um ross i'll come to you first with with mind you know the fact that we've kind of probably got a weaker field than we did hermes Alain up until kempton last time was seen as paul nichols's big hope from the novice chasing division were you were you disappointed or do you think that actually coming away from it, you know, he was the best horse in the race if you take Ile Francais out and we might have just seen a freak and Hermes Alain could be extremely good as well? Um, it'll probably come as no surprise people that listen to this pod to learn. I struggled to get on side with Hermes Alain last year. I thought he was suffered a little bit from being in the ilk of Brave Man's Game and Stage Star who came before him and people paint them as being the same horse. And I wasn't sure he'd achieved as much as they had. But I thought he jumped well at at Newbury. I was fairly happy with what he did there. And although he looked disappointing on on the face of it at Kempton, I think he's just bumped into a very good horse. And when you watch it back, he actually did well to stay in there pitching, having sort of had it served to him from a long way out from a a far superior horse. Kielbeg King did come with a strong looking run and challenged for second. Actually, Hermes then dug in and and did well, I thought, to to hold on for second. But I think he's the right favourite. 
He's got Harry Cobden in the saddle, which we cannot understate what a huge advantage that is at the moment. He is riding out of his skin, day in, day out, winning on horses that he has no right to win on, which is something you perhaps wouldn't have associated with him from a couple of seasons ago. So that's a huge plus. Hermes Len jumps very well, so the railway fences should suit him. But I just felt in both races that the Newbury race where he, he, he got the better of Nickelback, who reopposes, and in the Corto star, he does hit a bit of a flat spot. And I just wonder whether this trip actually on, on quick enough ground, they're watering down the back straight to maintain ground. I think that's really important to distinguish that the hurdles course will probably ride soft enough. The chase course is probably going to ride quick enough. I just wonder whether this actually is going to be short of his, of his optimal trip on, on this sort of ground. Um, I think JLo has done very little wrong, doesn't seem to get the credit he deserves. And so much as I fully respect Hermes Lennon, wouldn't be a surprise at all if he wins it and wins it nicely. I just thought that the disparity in the price is 11 to 8 versus 7 to 2. JLo, who is progressive, has been stepping up in trip. And each time he stepped up, he stepped up his performance. He beat Master Chewy at Aintree. Master Chewy, when he gets things right, is a very good horse. Beat him over two miles. Then went to... Uh, Newbury, I thought ran really well there, uh, beating uh, Persian Times, Nicky Henderson's, again did so with, with a lot of ease, you know, it didn't have to be hard ridden to pull away from in the closing stages, stepped up to two mile three last time and won very easily again, okay, can do kid let the form down for, for me last weekend, there had no sort of race at all, but it was a long way back to my eye, who isn't a superstar, but he's a very solid horse and, and jumped perfectly well at Ascot, um, I just think there's every chance that J-Lo can step forward again, uh, up up in trip. You mentioned he comes you know, off the back of a four, which is pretty harsh, really. He comes here off the pack of basically being GBH'd at uh, the first at Lingfield, where something sort of wiped him out in midair. That is a slight concern that his confidence has taken a knock. You have to take that on on trust. I just think at the prices, he's, he's not an impressive horse. He's got quite a short, choppy stride. He doesn't really fill your eye. You know, he just gets the job done. Just think he's perhaps not getting the, the credit he deserves. They're equal rated on 149. Mm. Um, and so I just at the prices, it's not a race I'll probably have a bet in, but at the prices I would slightly sway towards Jayla. Yeah, he's uh, he's a horse that is around about seven to two. We'll see, it's not it's probably quite a difficult race to price up, really. Um JLo got his reins caught in his front legs, and it wasn't a really pretty sight, was it? And it, as you say, it was more of a hampering and it was just a nightmare of a day for Charlie Deutsch the day that he actually ended up um, scoring on Lompresse. But J-Lo wasn't really, didn't really see what he could have done. It's a, you draw your line, a line through that. So you really just go back to the to the Ascot races as a last proper race that he's really run in. Um, so he probably stands up here as a horse's every bit of chance as Hermes Alain. I just think that the form he's shown in his novice days, he, yes, that's the one question I have the ground it's surprising good to soft ground at Sandown normally you see it pretty testing after a very wet January but Sandown's clearly dried up a lot I just I don't know how I feel about this race TC I'm not sure about you Le Patron you kind of keep looking you think he's a grade one winner he's officially rated at the, at the top with 150 Gary Moore farm Sandown is he overlooked is it would it be foolish to to, to say that he can't come forward and he's already proved himself in a grade one quality or was that quite a soft grade one compared to what Hermes Alain has been standing up in? 
maybe he is overlooked um but i'm very i share the same situation as you do in, insofar as this race just doesn't really warm me up i don't look at this and go cool i'm looking forward to the silly isles you know mm-hmm. i wish corbett's cross was in here mm-hmm. if he was he would be in my my idea one of the best bets of the day around seven to two he was before dex um i'd have had him definitely a favorite in this race and he would have been a fairly big play for me so it's disappointing that he hasn't been declared i presume it's due to the ground um i know this is short of his ideal trip as well but that wouldn't have been an issue he has plenty of speed but no point dwelling on that now so back to the actual field and as you both touched on with some of these runners you know they come with quite considerable negatives or at least questions uh the ground's not going to come in favor of colonel harry but he's obviously a horse i like having tipped him a couple of weeks ago he wants it a little bit testing i mean the more testing it is, the better, really, for Colonel Harry. He's a heavy ground winner at this track. So he won't get the ground, so I can't back him. I also can't back the erratic, erratic Nickelback, albeit if he comes back to his best, then he might have a chance of winning this race. And Le Patron, who you just mentioned there, I thought he was gifted the lead in the Henry VIII. He was just allowed to go on the front. Um, the other horse that went forward just didn't have enough talent to win the race, and he just kicked for home at the right time, and it was game over. Uh, having watched that again, I think Colonel Harry was the best horse in the race. So Le Patron can't really be a bet for me, especially considering there are other pace horses in the race, Nickelback being one. He won't get an easy lead like he did that day. So he's got to be a, a bit of a uh, push aside for me. And that kind of leaves Hermes Allen and, and J-Lo. J-Lo, I understand the case. I mean, he's been in good form this year. One, I don't like backing horses who fell last time. I mm-hmm. suppose I can give him an excuse because as the Frost has already said, he was kind of blindsided and it wasn't his actual jumping error. It was just that he came down. So I can excuse him for that. What I can't excuse, in my opinion, is Venetia Williams's form at the moment. Just four from 49, 8% so far this month. And the horses did peak early, if you remember this year. Early November, end of October, they started to peak. That's earlier than usual. It's normally around late December, January time. So maybe they've come to a bit of a standstill. And, you know, if you go back in the last week, Venetia's had quite a few fancied horses. Not one single horse has got within 10 lengths of the winner. That's a negative for me. Um, so I can't back J-Lo on that basis either. But I'm not going to be having a bet in the race because I don't love Hermes Allen. But I think he's by far the most likely winner. And 11 to 8 seems fair. Um, you know, I'd probably have him a touch shorter, maybe 5 to 4. But, you know, he had no excuses behind the LA France last time. He is probably a 149 horse. I don't think he's a one mid-150s or 160 horse that you generally need to win this race. But then there isn't one in here, in my idea. So... I'll tentatively put up Hermes LN and say I will bypass this race and bet elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, it's funny what a week can do. I was at Leicester on the 23rd of January and I saw I had the Venetia Williams treble up. Well, about to get it up. I it fell. One one of them was a bit too short for me. It was second. So she had two winners in a second. And then from there on in, it has been a little bit frightening to see how poorly some of the horses have, have been running. And obviously Royal Pagai, a heavy fall uh, in the Cotswold chase. And it's just not been working out as best as it can be for uh, Venetia Williams. But I just think a, a week is too short a time for me just to say that they're all, uh, they're, they've all gone off the side of a cliff. Uh, it's funny, J-Lo's form ties in obviously with JPR1, who was the horse who was able to win that race at Lingfield, which ties in with Le Patron, who... Who, who beat that horse at Sandown last time. I just don't know. I think it's just a grade below what Hermes Alain has achieved, or at least what he did, yes, getting beaten a hell of a long way by LA Francais. But I think if that horse really is 
one of the best we've seen in a long, long time. I think that's good enough to win a race like this. So I'm happy to stick with Hermes Elena 11 to 8. It's not really a betting race, as both TC and Ross has alluded to. And it's been worsened or lessened by the fact that Corbett's Cross has not appeared. But don't forget, this race won by Jerry Colomb last year, won by Lom Presse the year before. So it's really heightened the status of uh, the Silly Isles, which was a little bit forgotten, a bit a race that kind of uh, was sidelined slightly as a as a as a race for very sort of genuine grade one horses but we have seen that in the last couple of years uh, so that's the silly I'll chase Hermes Alain for uh, myself and uh, TC and JLo for Ross so good luck if you are following in Sandown most likely all eyes for a lot of us will be on the Dublin Racing Festival this weekend over Saturday and Sunday a heap of grade one contests over for all disciplines and for all so essentially you're going to see a number, a gluttony of horses from this that will go over to Cheltenham. And I think that I don't even want to pluck figures out of the, out of thin air, but you're definitely going to see, you'd imagine, a Cheltenham Festival winner from this weekend. Who is it going to be? We don't know. You've got the likes of Galloping to Champ and Fast or Slow. You've got a dream to share back the the superior bumper horse from last year, still in in, in bumper company, which is fascinating, really. Uh, you've got uh, the likes of Marie Nationale, who's just looked really sparkling since going chasing. And that's only just from one day on the Saturday. We don't have decks in for the Sunday yet, but with so much to go through, I think it's probably well worth getting a selection or two from Ross and TC. And TC, with the, the form that you're in, I think... Your thoughts on this weekend? It's obviously a, a weekend to savour, but I don't know what you think. I'm just a little bit underwhelmed by the competitiveness. I think the handicaps are probably going to throw up the best betting features. We'll definitely see some good horses. I'm not just over overwhelmed by the matchups that we have on offer. Yeah, I completely agree um, on all counts. The handicaps I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing the quality of horse. There's no doubt about that. DRF does throw up plenty of Cheltenham Festival winners, as you've already touched on. Galapande Champ. I could keep, I could list a load of Willie Mullins horses, but it literally is a show of dominance from Willie Mullins. That's kind of what the DRF is, in my opinion. As a punter, you get lots of odds-on favourites, lots of uncompetitive races. Yes, you do get the handicap hurdles and handicap chases that are five to one the field and are good betting heats, but generally, uh, I would say race by race, the majority aren't really punting uh, opportunities for me. So. Albeit I am looking forward to it. I think it is a little bit overhyped uh, when it comes to a viewing spectacle from those on Twitter or X, if you prefer. Um, but nevertheless, there are some good horses running. Um, I'm not going to be having too many bets, as you probably realise from what I just said there. But there is one horse on Sunday at a relatively short price, around six to four, that I do like. And that is Fact to File. This is a horse that I put up at the start of the season in our anti-post jumps podcast as a, a novice chaser to follow. Um, he really wowed me last time. When he won by 17 lengths, you know, he was far more fluent over his fences than he was on chase debut. He powered clear. And I know it turned into something of a flat race. There were a few fences doled off. But at the same time, this horse has so much talent uh, that I think he's really going to sparkle at the top level. So I'd be surprised if Factor File 1 went off at 64. I think it would be odds on after we get the scratchings or non-runners if you prefer the UK term. Um, and two, if he loses this race, because I'm pretty sure he's a good thing. Uh, he's the only horse I'm interested in on Sunday from a punting perspective, and that's in the grade one novice chase at 110. Are you, were you surprised? I was surprised. It seems that you knew more than I did that Gaelic Warrior wasn't declared for the race on Saturday and over, uh, over the shorter distance and that he's 
looks like, well, he's definitely still in, whether they'll be declaring him or not for that two and a half mile race that Factor File we're, we're hoping to see him in and that they're going to match off against each other, the stable companions. It'll be interesting to see if he is in that race for sure. Uh, as you said, we haven't had the non-runners yet, uh, full declarations for Sunday. Was I surprised he wasn't facing Marine National? No. Uh, why would you be surprised Willie Mullins does this year in, year out? It's no surprise to me. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. They're going to have to take... Willie's going to have to take his each other horses... That his horses on with each other at some point. You know, we've we've seen what's happened sometimes and that that comes comes to light. Who's the best horse in the race? Sometimes they win. Sometimes the doors get shut down and riding tactics, as we saw with Gaelic Warrior in Elate Top, was quite interesting. And But when it comes to Gaelic Warrior versus Fat File, that will be fascinating and the, and the matchup that I wasn't expecting but I, I agree he was he was very impressive fact to file and uh, around Leopardstown I just can't see get it where it is best so one of the more noteworthy races if those horses are all declared but that is on Sunday so fact to file for uh, TC and Ross what are you looking forward to seeing at Dublin Racing Festival going casting your eye through it and how do you think this weekend lines up as as compared to other weekends going through the years do you think it continues to be the sort of the best racing weekend that we have on offer because i do think last weekend for much of the time the uk base racing gets knocked i think it was one of the best we've had in a long long time yeah i, I agree i actually seven piece this week that actually trials day very often chart trials day isn't really chart trials day is it it's sort of Cheltenham consolation day you know for those that can't contest at, at the festival but i think actually this this year, we, we, we've seen a few that are going to rock up at the festival with, with great chance at Cheltenham. Dublin Race Festival, as TC said, is, is always a really Mullins benefit. I enjoy watching it because I enjoy watching good horses and it's nice to see them sort of find their, find their level. Um, but it's going to be even more of a benefit this year because Gordon Elliott, who is the, the challenger of sorts to, to Willie Mullins, I mean, he always comes up short at, at, at Dublin Racing Festival. You know, he does his winning, doesn't he, at sort of Navin and down royal sort of october november december and then january comes and willie kicks into top gear and and away he goes but gordon is also without 20 horses in coldwell construction who are mm. sadly you know calling time on their their enjoyment of the sport has, has stopped rather too quickly I'm, I'm i'm afraid to say for for the sport you know we, we're desperate for people to invest money into it it's a shame it's come to the end so quickly but those horses go to the sales on monday so they can't run at the dublin racing festival which removes a lot of the sort of um, potential uh, competition for the Mullins Battalion. So much as I would love to come from left field and find two selections that aren't Willie Mullins, I'm afraid I've, I've drawn a blank and I, I am with Willie Mullins. Hopefully not the most the most obvious ones. The first one comes in the bumper on the Saturday, the 440, and it's Redemption Day, who I loved as a bumper horse, put up as a novice hurdler to follow at the start of this season. Uh, Willie unfortunately missed that episode of the podcast um, he's clearly been a bit difficult to train. He returned at Leopardstown after 611 days off and ran a mighty race. And I was surprised more wasn't made of it. Plenty was made of the winner, the um, Gigginstown owned Jalen Dudure for Gordon Elliott. But Redemption Day pulled his head off for about a mile and three quarters. By all accounts, should have fallen in a hole and didn't. He stuck at it, was only beaten two and three quarters lengths. On ground that would have been too soft, this is a, a blue Brazil horse, but he's a blue Brazil horse that likes good ground. The ground is going to be drying. There's no rain I can see forecast for Leopardstown. Leopardstown dries pretty quickly. He gets three pounds from the returning of Dream to Share, who's clearly also been pretty tricky to train this, this season. Um, 
He was only a length and the three quarters behind Fasal Vega at Punchestown Redemption Day. I think he's a really, really smart horse. If he can go through this race in a slightly more mannerly fashion, um, I think he'll serve it up to Dreamshare getting £3. Dreamshare's first run back. This clearly hasn't been the, the plan. They're sort of, um, you know, working off the back foot, so to speak, with him. So Redemption Day is the one really interesting in the 4.40 on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Zenta. Um, who had good form in the Triumph last year behind Lossy Mouth and Gala Mousseau, which is looking like strong form. She then went to Aintree and won a competitive uh, hurdle there um, on quick ground. She likes good ground. You can put a line through her run at Cork on return. The ground was heavy. She finished third. It wasn't a desperate run, but it wasn't anywhere near her best. And it was also at a time when Willie's horses weren't running brilliantly. Um, I think she'll get back on this better ground. I think this track will suit. Big field, strong pace will suit. And I think a mark of 138 on all known collateral form uh, would underestimate her. And I think she'll go very close in the 350 if she is declared. Okay, yes, that is, uh, we are recording on Thursday. So we get to see Dex. So if you're listening to this uh, before Friday, just keep, give it, give it, give a, a moment to remember the decks that are coming in for Sunday's racing. Can I just t- touch again on this bumper race? Because obviously a dream to share has been a horse that we've been waiting for. John and now Thomas Kiley have, have had to really just kind of iron out issues and we've had to wait patiently for this kind of bumper marvel he's one of the horses you know putting him up as my essentially the horse to follow my nap for the weekend um he clearly going we we hope that we see him over hurdles they're keeping him under in bumper code and ross would what, what do you make of that do, would you think that there's a worry about him jumping, that there's probably a soundish, soundish issues, obviously, by Muhara. They could run him on the flat if they wanted to. But that bumper, Cheltenham bumper form, is some of the best form that we have seen in, for a long, long time. Best One of the best races, I think maybe the Ultima also being won. Every single horse in that race, in the bumper, is now won. Um, but you think he could be beatable? Yeah, I do. I just think it's clearly been a very stop-start season for for him um i don't know why they're not going over going over hurdles because the supreme is a, which is you would imagine would have been his target it's a pretty open race there's not a standout horse in the supreme you know they're talking that you know ballyburn who is essentially a stayer with a few gears might win this weekend and then become willie's supreme horse it's not like there's now an out supreme horse I just wonder if, if he'd have won a, a maiden hurdle in decent form and going into Cheltenham with one run behind him, it wouldn't have seemed like the worst idea to me. Um, they, whether his schooling hasn't been great. You know, there's lots made of the fact he's by Muhara and he's not bred to jump. I mean, that's just such a load of old nonsense, I can't tell you. You can teach any horse to jump if you give it the time. And the one thing we clearly know about John Kiley and his team is time is one thing they can give their horses. Um, I do think it raises the bigger issue that should horses really be able to run in a bumper two seasons on the trot? Mm. Uh, just seems to me like we're sort of giving them a bit of an easy out, really. I, I think uh, one season in a bumper is plenty enough to give a horse a bit of experience at the race course, and then they can crack on and do what they're, they're meant to do. So, yeah, I just took the view that it's clearly not been the plan. And Redemption Day is a horse I love. I think he's hugely talented. Um, I wouldn't have them all that different on ability. He gets three pounds. He's had a run. He'll like the ground. Um, so he did for me. 
Okay, right. Well, I will be opposing that with a dream to share, but happy to take each other on myself and Ross. I've got a couple of others and you've touched on Ballyburn. He's going to be a short price, but I think he deserves to be in the two mile uh, grade one novice hurdle on Sunday. A horse that I think it has to be Willie Mullins' best best bet for the Supreme. And he's, as you say, he looks like a he'll, he's going to get further. He's definitely going to be a chaser. He's got that really old fashioned uh, pedigree when it comes to the National Hunt Sphere, Flemings Firther of an old Vic mare. He uh, disappointed me when he was beaten first time out uh, this season and then put that straight behind him. He's obviously just, they're just been nurturing him. And that's hence why he didn't go to the champion bumper last year at Cheltenham. And he couldn't have been more impressive last time out. This is going to be harder, but I think he's always been seen as a very, very, very good horse. Uh, I would would have wanted a little bit more rain for him. And I would I don't think they'd want it to be getting any quicker, but ba- Ballyburn, uh, I've got a lot of faith. And I think he, I think he will beat, if he's very, very good, he'll, he'll head into the very much the top of the betting for the Supreme. So Ballyburn. And then the next one for me is one last tango, a horse I put up in our uh, Irish horses to follow column at the beginning of the season for a trainer called Owen Griffin, who's made a, a re- he's had a really good season. He trains a lot for JP McManus, even predominantly for him. And one last tango is in the colors of JP McManus. And I thought that he looked like a very interesting handicapper to follow uh, he was a very eye-catching fourth in a competitive handicap in Navin in November he to me shaped like a step up and trip will be definitely worth exploring but then they went off uh next time out and they kept up the two mile trip and he won and won very easily indeed now he's up a good bit in the handicap since then and I think it's going to make life a lot harder for him. But he he ran in a manner of a horse that will be able to, I, I think he's probably still quite difficult for the handicapper to assess. And in this race, uh, the, the 350 at Leopardstown, um, I think considering probably with a trainer that won't be as uh, well, well known as some of the others, he might just be overlooked. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he can continue on uh, his, his season now that he's, slightly raised up in the handicap so that's one last tango for me at the 350 at Leopardstown we've got naps and next best they can come from anywhere this weekend obviously double racing festival we've touched on um but there's there's good racing all across the card um tc you need to continue on february as you essentially manage to master january um so no slowing down we hope there's racing on the all weather and there is obviously racing over over jumps but we'll take whatever you want for for, for us yeah, four nap and next best doubles is going to be difficult, uh, but I'll try. I'll try my very best. And that's why I'm going to the all weather. Sorry, people in the comments. I know there's going to be a few. I apologize. I think it's Michael that always comments. Apologies. Back to jumps racing next week. Um, but my nap is on the all weather this week in the form of a horse called Harriet's Angel, who runs in the seven o'clock at Wolverhampton. This filly was a late developer. She's trained by Ed Dunlop, who's never known really for getting horses ready at two or even at the start of their three-year-old campaign. Uh, and she was quite clearly a longer-term prospect. She didn't do much uh, in the early part of her three-year-old season, but there were signs of promise in the latter part of last year uh, when she had wind surgery and she came back and she ran a good fifth um, at uh, Kempton in September. Then on her next start at Lingfield, she was drawn out wide in stall 10, held up in the early stages, race developed into a sprint. She never had a chance. Now, she returned after a break at Kempton 10 days ago and absolutely bolted up connection said that she improved after a break i think there were numerous angles there for her that day 
the break, the better draw, the track probably suited her a little bit more as well. Uh, and the fact that she's just getting better with time. Uh, she produced a really nice turn of foot to be an informed rival called Stella Hogan, uh, who previously had finished second and, and won a race. And a six pound rise definitely won't stop her. The fact that there's a horse in here called Mitigator means Harriet's Angel should be a reasonable price. I expect her to be favourite, but she won't be odds on, hopefully. So uh, she is my nap in the seven o'clock at Wolverhampton. And then my next best comes at Leopardstown, is a bigger price this time. Uh, and that's a horse called Canal End in the si uh, three o'clock at uh, Leopardstown. It's a big field handicap hurdle. Um, this horse opened at 10 to 1 on Tuesday when I did my prep for this pod. Uh, and unfortunately now it's six to one, um, second favourite, which is a little bit disappointing, but still a fair price, I think. Um, Jacob Manis owns this horse, looks like a potential handicap blot, ran very well on the reappearance this season over two miles, which is way short of the trip he wants. Last time over the three mile trip, moved into the race really well from the back of the pack, couldn't get close to the eventual Willie Mullins trained winner but ran home nicely for third and wasn't beaten far in the, in a duel for second, actually, that day. Um, just looks well handicapped, coming off a lightweight. JP's going to target winning at least one or two races uh, that aren't uh, Willie Mullins' horses um, at Leopardstown. And I think Canal End could be one of them in the three o'clock at Leopardstown on Saturday. Okay, so if all things fail on Saturday, you can wait until 7pm. Are you on Sky Sports Racing for us this weekend? I am indeed, yes. You are indeed, so you'll see a smiley face and it will be beaming. If the, nap, the next best and the nap is landed at seven o'clock. So uh, looking forward to that and good luck TC. Uh, Harriet's Angel and Canal end on Saturday. And Ross, over to you. Um, we've, uh, as said, plenty of really good action at Sandown on Saturday. Some really good handicaps as well that shouldn't be overlooked. Might get missed in all the, in all the razzmatazz over in Ireland. Yeah, well, my, my nap also features the all-weather. Well, just that little bit of all-weather at the top of, of Musselburgh's home straight. And it's the 2.15, the Edinburgh National. Um, I'm going to take a chance on Enrillo. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people logging off now because he is a very frustrating horse. But there's no doubt he's very talented when things go his way. Um, he averages a fall every three runs in recent seasons, which is not a stat to be particularly proud of, but Musselburgh has the softest fences in the country, which will suit this horse. Um, he ran well last time at Wincanton, got outpaced over three mile two on ground that would be too soft. Stayed on quite catching I thought, under Angus Chalida, who keeps the ride here, claims five pound. He's for a long time hinted that these marathon sort of trips are exactly what he's, he's looking for. He ran a really good race in the bet 365 back in 2021 when he was third. And that was quite a messy race, if you remember. Um, he pulled up in 2022, but there was a wind issue found. And then he was, I think, laid out for the race last year and fell early on, as is his sort of habit. But for a horse that's been as high as 147, he's won off 138. Now races off 135 with Angus taking five pound off. Paul Nichols has also declared the top weight, um, which I think gives his horse a really nice racing weight. He'll love this better ground. This trip should well be well within range. And for really good prize money put on, this is not a deep race. Uh, it would be one of the easier races he's contested for a while. So Enrillo is a tentative uh, nap in the 2.15 at Musselburgh. And then the next best comes down at Sandown in the 1.25. I was sure Alfie's Princess was going to feature in my nap or next best this week. She's a mare I love. And I think it was the ground that got her beat last time. But just going through it, there's another horse that's been in my tracker. And it's the Robbie Wellen trained Titan Discovery, who won last time at Ascot on Handicap debut. 
despite the ground, despite the trip, it was a really good, strong ride by Liam Harrison to get him up in the shadows of the post. On the face of it, a £7 rise for that would seem quite harsh, but I think his two hurdle runs before that in novice hurdles were simply runs designed to get a mark and to get as good a mark as they possibly could. And so actually, I prefer to judge his ability on his on his bumper form. At Newbury, he was three lengths behind Ivy Wood, who's 126 over hurdles, then went to Stratford and finished five lengths behind Westerner in the park, who's won a novice hurdle. And he was six, fronts, uh, six lengths in front of a horse called Lord of Thunder, who's a really smart prospect for Joe Tizard, who's rated 129. Each time, Titan Discovery has stayed very strongly to the line. He finished very powerfully to the line at Ascot on, over that two-mile trip on pretty lively ground. I think softer ground, extra half-mile here, is really going to suit him. And then just to finish it off, I thought Jonathan Burke was mm. a really eye-catching jockey booking for a small stable that do use uh, talented lads, but lads that are making their way up the ladder. I think to be able to go and get a jockey of Jonathan Burke's sort of standing is a fairly strong uh, sign. And I think Titan Discovery, off a low weight, will win the 125. Yeah, love that. Also, a, a shout out to you putting up Robbie Llewellyn at the beginning of the season as a as a trainer to follow. And full credit to the man. He's he said to me that he's already reached the, the goal that he had, which was lo- last week of getting um, twenty one winners uh, already this season. I think it's just a it's a he's an interesting man going places. And considering he said that the horses bought at auction have all cost twelve thousand or less so that um that says a lot what he can do with a with a low level of horse so a man really going places so looking forward to seeing how titan discovery it gets on for ross uh the 125 i'll definitely be following that in as well at sandown so um naps the next best in from everyone and i'll give you a couple more so i said a dream to share in the 440 left for reasons i gave earlier i've been waiting for this horse for some time it's a funny race. It really is to have these sort of already been there, done that bumper horses against the, the younger pretenders and not really having to carry too many penalties for it as well. So I think a dream to share is, is an obvious one, really. And then my next best comes in the 310 at Sandown, a very good looking three mile handicap with horses that are uh, sort of slowly getting to this stage where they're at their best now over this distance. And um, I was there at Ludlow to see St. Davy win and beat Emma Tom in a race where I think it had quite a bit of depth to it. Emma Tom definitely um, has shown himself to kind of be rejuvenated since he's rejoined Alan King. St. Davy did have to gut it out, but he's just a horse that needs every inch of the three miles. Uh, he's a lovely big fine son of Balco. He's a point-to-point winner. He was well held in the um, Aintry grade one behind Apple Away, but he hasn't done a huge amount of running. He's up six pounds to a rating of 130. It's a good-looking field. Ed Keeper is a horse that, a bit like uh, Ross Miller was saying um, about uh, Sam Thomas's uh, other runner, the name escapes me already, Alfie's Princess. I think Ed Keeper is, deserves to be at the top of the betting for that race after what we saw happen at Cheltenham. But we'll be getting, St. David will be getting a good amount of weight, eight pounds from that. And I think that he's just an improving three miler. So he'll be my next best um, at Sandown, the 310. So looking forward to that indeed. We've got plenty to look forward to this weekend from the Dublin Racing Festival to Sandown to the seven o'clock at uh, Wolverhampton. So um, we hope that you enjoy, enjoy it. Don't forget all new SBK users get 30 pounds in free bets when you sign up and bet 10 pounds for the first time. Head to SBK for lots of other offers and promotions 
promotion throughout this weekend. And we will be planning very shortly and soon our Cheltenham preview podcast. So that will be in the mix. Don't worry, ours will be concise to the point plenty of facts, not too much waffle because there'll be a lot of them coming out uh, on the social media channels, but you can rely on us to give up, to give you hopefully um, a good uh, selection in a short amount of time. And that's what we like to do each week. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. 